This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Now then, if you're an MS action taker, I want to keep in touch with you. So can you sign up to hear about my future MS action takers activities? The link to sign up is in the show notes. Now then, if you're an MS action taker, I want to keep in touch with you. So can you sign up to hear about my future MS action takers activities? The link to sign up is in the show notes. Hi, today I'm really pleased to have Linda Elsa Good and we're talking all things LDN and Linda founded the LDN Research Trust. Hi Linda, nice to have you here. Well thank you very much for having invited me. It's really nice to talk to another MS, you know, who uh, understands (laughs) exactly and I think that's the thing about the MS community I think we are great and we all understand each other and when nobody else does we know we've got each other don't we exactly yeah so um so I'm just interested at the top of um this episode to find out a little bit about you and your MS journey okay I had MS definitely when I was 32. I had the tingling down the arms when I put my head forward. And my doctor said it was a trapped nerve in my neck. Okay, we've heard that one before. Yeah, prior to that, I mean, it's hindsight, isn't it? Mm. You know, things used to happen to me and then they used to go. So there, there was never a problem for long to make me think I need to go to the doctors. Now, I've known my husband since I was 18, and he says I had it then. Um, And he he actually said, you were always ill, um, which I found quite an upsetting statement. But I, he didn't mean it like that. He just meant that, you know, there were always odd things happening. Mm. And I can particularly remember one day, we'd gone out cycling, you know how you grip the handlebars mm-hmm. of, your, of your bicycle? And in between my thumb and my forefinger, that flappy bit of skin, there's obviously mm. a muscle in there somewhere. It hurt. It really, really hurt. And we'd been cycling for a while. So I said when we stopped, you know, do you get a pain in your hand just here after you've been cycling for a while? And he looked at me as though I was completely balmy. <laughs> And said, no. I said, well, why do I get it? You know, he'd just say, oh, it's because you're weird. And so, you know, okay, it, it hurts. When I stopped cycling, it, it went. There wasn't a problem, but it used to happen periodically. And this had gone on for years where I'd felt I'd got funny legs. And then that would go. And then I would get some numbness and that would go. And before I was 35, how often these things happened was rare, you know, so rare. 
I can't remember how often, but after that, it happened more regularly, but still nothing to be alarmed about that, you know, you needed to say something. Um, Before I was diagnosed, I I obviously did. It was Christmas 1999, just before the, the new year. And I'd come in from work and I was going to have my hair cut and the hairdresser was here ready and the phone rang and it was my father who never used the phone. He was hard of hearing, hated the phone, couldn't understand people and always left it to my mum. And it was my dad and he was panicking and I was, what's the matter? He said, your mum's had a heart attack and they're taking her in the ambulance. And it was the the shock and the trauma of that. And I didn't help myself because I, I mean, she was so ill. She, you know, it was touch and go for a while. I was working full time. Uh, My husband worked away. So I was the taxi and running the home. Really, really busy and studying at the same time. Mm. So I didn't have much spare time. Work were very good. They let me have some time off, but then it was every day, are you coming back, are you coming back? By which time my mum was out of hospital, but with me. And I'd got my dad who couldn't do much, being in a wheelchair. Mm. My mum, I'd got two children and I needed a responsible adult, you know. (laughs) (laughs) and luckily a friend of ours is a nurse and she said okay you go back to work I've got some time off I'll stay with you mum and dad and I was so tired I was not realizing it was fatigue you know I was just worn out and it and it got worse I just get got more and more tired And I thought, this is crazy. And then I started getting lots of numbness and pins and needles and tingling everywhere. My balance wasn't very good. And I really just felt ill. And it was then coming up to Easter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said to my husband, I really want to go away on holiday so that I can sort myself out while I'm away. And then when I come back, I won't be ill anymore. I mean, that would have been good, wouldn't it? (laughs) So anyway, he couldn't get time off. My eldest daughter was a teenager, like 18, 19 at the time, and she didn't want to come. So I went with my youngest daughter to Portugal. Now, normally, we tied an apartment. It's normally in the 90s, warm and sunny. It was cold, wet and windy. Oh, no drained all the heating so we had to just keep wrapping up but I can remember saying to my husband that the the cold wet and wind we we still went out and did things and the rain was hitting my face and the rain hitting my face made it numb with pins and needles it was the rain Mm. so I said you know I really didn't feel well and I thought I'd have to go and see a doctor when I got back I went to see the doctor and the doctor said hmm I think you ought to see a neurologist. So I was carrying on at work, feeling, getting up in the morning was difficult. Driving to work was really difficult. Working all day and then just coming home and going to sleep because I was just, 
you know what it's like mm-hmm. it's you are flat you've got nothing you know <clears throat> you wake up and your battery is flashing red and it carries on flashing red mm-hmm. anyway I went to the hospital and I had an MRI and then they put me in a bed waiting to see the neurologist and in the in-between time a nurse had come around and she said to me so how long have you had MS so I said oh I haven't got MS she said oh oh I've actually got the wrong patient so I thought hmm that's a bit odd he did say I had MS so she knew I'd got MS but she didn't realize I hadn't been told mm. <laughs> I hadn't got yeah MS. so at that point I was in a wheelchair was this a shock though at this point well had you been looking at things yourself no I hadn't God I was I was too ill at that time because <laughs> I was in a wheelchair I spent all my days in bed I was only awake about four hours out of the 24. I was in a lot of pain. I left-hand side of my body had gone numb with pins and needles completely. You could draw a line down my nose, my chin, my mouth, my chest. The whole left-hand side was numb with pins and needles. People would probably think numb, you know, you can't feel anything, but it was numb, but very tender. So any clothes Mm. or anything that rubbed on that left-hand side created a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. I had really bad cognitive problems. It was like I'd had a stroke or something. And English was my second language. Recording vocabulary, forget it. My memory, I thought I was getting dementia. That really did scare me. Yeah, I'm not a materialistic person, but my memories are everything. You know, I was losing it. I was choking on my food. I didn't know where my my mouth was. The diagnosis, I can remember my mum. And uh, she said to me, but it doesn't matter that it is called MS. You know, don't get bogged down with the title because you are no worse now knowing what it is mm-hmm. than you were before it's just a name mm-hmm. of how you are this particular day I had had an awful lot of pain now the pain and uh, I would explain it it didn't seem believable but this pain kept moving mm-hmm. but it was always in my head excruciating I mean like really bad toothache pain now I had some pain strong painkillers but it was a trade-off. I would take the painkillers and then I would get this nausea so bad it felt like travel sickness, being pregnant and everything that could make you feel sick where you could hardly move your head because you thought you were going to vomit. It was that bad. Mm-hmm. But it did make the pain and I phoned up the doctor's surgery. I managed to speak to the doctor and he came out and he bought the painkillers. And he fetched me a glass of water and put the water and the pills beside me. And I said to him, you know, how long do you think it will be before I start to feel better? And he looked at me and he said, I think if you were going to, you would have done by now. So it was like, okay. So he went. 
And I thought, I can't live like this. Mm. Because what was killing me Sorry. It's all right. This is a really tough time of your life, yes. isn't it, that you're talking about? I can remember exactly how I felt. It was really hard. Um, as, as people with MS will know that people stop coming and visiting because they don't know what to say, they're embarrassed. Mm. My parents were really upset. You know, they kept saying, you know, if we could take it from you, we would. You know, you're still young. We've had our lives, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it reminded me of looking at one of those calendars that you see where it goes the first, the second, the third, and I hadn't moved or done anything. And I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I like achieving things, and I couldn't achieve anything. Zero, nothing. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know, if, if I took the tablets, but it was something I could do for them. But then I th- thought, uh, who, would, who would find me? And it would have been my 15-year-old daughter. So I couldn't do that to her. Mm. So yeah. the only option was, was to try and do something and prove everybody wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that uh, something could be done. So, so that is that the point at which you decided you were going to find something? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I thought, you know, I couldn't be unique. There must be other people similar to myself. And I managed to find some people similar to myself in the US who were kind enough to let me talk to them of, of their experience. And everyone said, you know, have you heard of LDN? You should try it. You know, if it doesn't do any good, it's not going to do you any harm. At that point, even if there were horrendous side effects, it would be something to try. Because <laughs> mm. um, secondary progressive, there's nothing that's going to be offered up mm, at all, is there? Yes. So, so I took the information of LDN to my own doctor. She looked me in the face and she listened and we talked and we had a laugh about different things and she said leave the information with her own to come back in two weeks so I went back and she said she'd read all the information and if it was her she would want to try it she said if you can find a doctor to prescribe it for you I'll monitor you so that gave me some reassurance and Dr Bob Lawrence who sadly uh, died just a few weeks ago in Wales, he prescribed the LDN for me. And in three weeks, I mean, it was amazing because living in my head was like a television set that wasn't tuned in properly. I couldn't see properly. I couldn't hear properly. I couldn't think properly. I couldn't speak properly. It was awful. 
And three weeks of being on LDN, it was just as though somebody had tuned in that television set. I could think again. You know, that is such mm. a big deal, being mm. able to think again. And I didn't slur my speaks, speech so much. I began to not choke on my food, could process things. Oh, it was amazing. And I carried on improving for about 18 months to where Mm. I am today. And uh, last year, I went back and my neurologist has since retired. And I have a new uh, gentleman. And he thought I didn't have MS, even though he'd seen all the evoked potential tests that showed my left ear was completely dead. I had no hearing at all, that my eyesight was really bad. He saw the MRI with all the, the lesions, but he was still convinced seeing me that I didn't have MS. So he ordered another MRI, which was something I'd been asking for for years because I was really curious to see, you know, yeah, yeah. It was so rampant at the start, was it still? And uh, he had to agree I did have MS. But he wanted me to have another MRI and have it with contrast. He then called me back and said that he realized I have MS. I still have symptoms. I still have things I have to live with. But he said that he thought I was primary progressive MS now. And there was nothing more they could do for me. And it would really be a waste of their time to keep monitoring me. So he was going to release me. Discharge (laughs) you. Discharge me. That's it. Discharge me from his books. And he wouldn't ever see me again. And that if I was taken ill, my doctors could phone him for a consultation to discuss my care. So um, that's where I am now. <laughs> okay. So, so you're one, one of the forgotten many then. Uh, yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah. But nowadays, um, you take, you, you've continued to take LDN. And, yeah. Um, and has that taken all of the symptoms away? Do you live with any symptoms now? Yes, I do. Fatigue is still an issue, but nothing like it was. Mm. My left-hand side, um, the last three fingers on my left hand still feel a little weird. You know, they're not numb. They haven't got pins and needles, but if I rub them, they don't feel the same as on the other hand. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But... That's not a big deal, is it? You know, it's no. um, not painful. The pains have gone. I used to talk a lot of rubbish. My husband says I still do. <laughs> but, um, I can hold a conversation. So that's that's pretty good. And I can recall things. My memory is really sharp again. Uh, I used to pride myself on my memory. Function really well without having to make notes and things. So I'm I'm pleased. So yeah. it sounds as though it's like, it sounds like for you, yep. it's been a bit of a wonder drug. Yeah. Now, obviously, 
the charity has to say that LDN isn't a miracle drug or a cure and it doesn't work for everybody. That has to be our caveat. Mm. And I'm not allowed to say what you just said. Mm. But for me personally, it, it's been night and day and how I was deteriorating so rapidly. I truly believe without LDN, I wouldn't be here today. Can we just talk a little bit about mm-hmm. how you take how you take it and how you would now, if you decided that you wanted to try LDN, mm-hmm. how would you go about things? And I know that you've got the website, mm-hmm. but I think if I can just ask you just to keep it sort of a simple in one place. Yes. Okay. We do have a user guide, which is really, really good. And we have a medical professional's guide. And I would say, go armed with your, to your own doctor with the information. You'll be surprised. 16 mm. years ago, it was like 99.9% chance of not getting a prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many doctors now that will prescribe it and prescribe it on the NHS. But it's not an expensive drug it's like 30 pounds a month and okay. I'm, not, I'm not a smoker but I understand from smokers that you spend more than that a month on cigarettes if you if you smoke mm. which isn't very good for people with MS either if you if you're a smoker no, no. Um, so when I first started you took three milligrams for four weeks and then you took 4.5 and that's where I'm still on the fallout rate was rather high initially. Three milligrams was too high for some people and 4.5 would always be too high. These days, people start on half a milligram and increase every two weeks if you feel okay. Um, what is the right dose? It depends on the individual. Mm. Um, everybody is different. I mean, everybody with MS, I mean, if you have MS, you could have 40 different symptoms, but people might only have 10, but you can line 10 people up and none of them have exactly the same symptoms. Mm. So likewise, the dose that people take of LDN varies. Um, You can get it in liquid form and you can titrate it up or down depending on your reaction to it. Mm. Um, Side effect wise, less than 5% of people notice anything. I didn't um, until I had this eureka moment of being on LDN for three weeks. I was really upset because I was told you could have worsening of pre-existing symptoms. You could have a stomach upset. You could have, you know, you could feel nauseous. You could have some diarrhea. I had nothing. I could have been Mm. taking saccharin and I felt it was my last chance um, I wanted every side effect you could have. So I knew it was doing something, but mm. it didn't. Um, so by starting low these days and titrating it up slowly, the dropout rate is minimal. People continue taking it. Um, some people find, and we have over, I think, about 400 interviews of people with MS who are are taking LDN so that's quite interesting if you want to know other people's uh, stories Mm -hmm. because you've got an active YouTube channel as well haven't you yes and we've got a a Vimeo channel as well 
so there's lots of lots of information see see the stories and the results if you go and look for yourself yeah but by titrating it up um start low moving up slowly people don't have the side effects and some people will say it's not working for me we always say to continue taking it if you've got no adverse effects for like 18 months but those people that say no it's not done anything for me I'm stopping it and you don't have to wean yourself off it it only stays in your system for four hours so you have a 20-hour break every day anyway Mm. that after a week or two those people start again they'll find I didn't sleep as well I'd forgotten that it works for my bladder I had forgotten the pain that I'd had now it was really easy for me when I was ill my mum used to phone me every day how are you and there was something else not right with me and she used to want to know everything and I said in the end please don't ask me I will tell you when I start to feel better because it's depressing me keep saying what Mm. I can't do Um, but the mind is quite clever in the fact that you know when you can't do something but when things start improving, you forget you couldn't do it. <laughs> so keeping a diary is quite interesting because you can't always remember everything on a day-to-day basis, the before and the after. But it's not until you stop that when things go back to how they were, because LDM will only work while you take it. You know, it mm. helps regulate a dysfunctional immune system, put briefly um but to keep it regulated you need to keep taking it Mm. because it doesn't build up it's not going to do you any harm uh it was trialed or naltrexone was trialed back in the late 70s and found only harmful to the liver in doses of 300 milligrams a day now we're talking about doses from three milligrams like 4.5 some doctors go a little bit higher than that but it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to do any damage. And there are people who've been on it since 1985 in the low doses. Um, I haven't had any adverse effects at all. Um, Now, Trexone in high doses is also used for alcohol dependency. I don't know whether it's taking the LDN or whether I'm getting older. I do enjoy having a drink and I'll say a drink I'll have a glass of wine or a whiskey <laughs> but I never want more Do you know, when I've finished it you know I, I've got it I've enjoyed it I've done it and I don't need a second one where I probably would have done in my 20s how does it work then Linda well initially we thought it had a uh, single mechanism of action which was blocking your own endorphins, which is your body's own natural feel-good factor and painkiller. And then your body would make endorphins. It it does that a few times during the day. So because it blocks them, it looks as though you've got no endorphins, so your body makes 100% endorphins. And then the LDN goes, it unblocks your receptors, and you've got extra 
endorphins. So, so, the, L, so the LDN stops the endorphins. It blocks them. The production, yeah. No, it doesn't block the production. Block. It blocks the receptors. Okay. So yeah. when your body goes to make the endorphins, it looks as though you haven't got any. Mm-hmm. So it makes more. Yeah. So it, those endorphins, as I say, is your body's own natural painkiller and feel-good factor. So it's used in pain clinics now and quite successfully for pain and mental health issues as well and it makes you feel a lot happier it's quite amazing actually anyway Mm. so now we know that it also works after dr gerard younger who's a research scientist was doing studies for fibromyalgia found that it actually works on the toll light receptors as well. And I think this was back in about 2008, some, something around about there. So what it does is it fights inflammation in the body as mm. well. And most autoimmune diseases, cancers, um, have very, very high levels of inflammation And if your body is inflamed, some of the doctors call it like being on fire, Mm. that then causes a lot of symptoms. So if you can put out that fire, get rid of as much inflammation as you can, a lot of symptoms disappear anyway. And LDN works really, really well in reducing inflammation. It's really interesting. But the LDN Research Trust is a registered UK charity. And the first thing we want to do is a trial for multiple sclerosis using LDN. Mm -hmm. Now, Dr. Jared Younger is interested in helping do a pilot study, uh, which is going to cost probably not much shorter than (laughs) half a million um last time I spoke to him it was about 350,000 but that is what we would like to do and if I mean he is a reputable research scientist people take notice of him he's got all the right qualifications and criteria and once we've got a pilot study done he says funding will come mm. to do you know a, a full-blown um trial But because MS is difficult in as much as it can be relapsing and remitting, people could have symptoms and then not have them for a while, it it muddies the water a little bit to try and do that. So you would need so many people for maybe three or four years to actually get a, a true story. And that is why... It would be so expensive. But I was speaking to one neurologist and he was upset that people with multiple sclerosis went in brackets of benign, relapsing and remitting, secondary progressive, primary progressive. And his views were that is just rubbish. If you've got MS, you've got MS. It doesn't matter 
Can you introduce me to that neurologist? (laughs) (laughs) But he said it makes no difference, you know, and they tend to think that MS is not just one condition. It is multiple Mm. different conditions. And that is why so many people, you know, have different symptoms. So and why things work for some and not others. Yeah, exactly. So, Linda, I know that there's the LDN book and mm-hmm. that there's the, the website. Um, yeah. And um, what have you got coming up? Well, we have our second book, which is called the LDN book, volume two. And the LDN book, volume one, actually covered multiple sclerosis. So uh, that could well be interesting. And our website is www.ldnresearchtrust.com org and you will find information on book one and book two but we have a book launch happening on the 14th of october it's going to be live streamed is this for book two for book two yeah and we have um multiple authors they they did different chapters they wrote different chapters and it's a case of once you've registered and it's going to be an on Zoom, on on Zoom, <laughs> an <laughs> online <laughs> webinar and there'll be a chat so people can actually ask their questions to these LDN expert prescribers. So if anybody had got MS questions, even though that's not covered in the second book, it doesn't matter. They would answer those questions and there are doctors, researchers, um, pharmacists taking part and there are uh eight uh seven because one can't actually do it but there are seven venues that are happening they're all happening in the u.s um eastern time central time and western time but we will hopefully be doing something similar for the uk early next year brilliant and so how can you register for the webinar is that through the website yes the website and on the top bar at the uh, right hand side at the top it says events Mm -hmm. and under there you will see the ldn book to launch and tour and interestingly past conferences are available all the presentations and we've been doing them since 2013 so there are many you can watch the videos for free So if you're interested in multiple sclerosis, you can put that in the search. It will bring up videos that are applicable. Brilliant. I think that's going to be the place that people need to get to. Yes. And and sort of find out what they can and register for what they can. Yes. So fascinating stuff that we've been talking today about. So very grateful to you, Linda. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. There is, before we go, um, there are always a couple of questions when you come on the MS show podcast. And I don't know if you have time to think about these ones, but I always ask people, ignore COVID restrictions. If you could be anywhere in the world, where would you be? And what's your favourite drink of any kind that you would have with you? Mm. Okay, where would I like to be? Well, if you have a minute, 
I'll, I'll tell you a story. Yeah, um, of course I do. I was asked by a, a young man back in 2005. He'd got MS, he was partially blind, and he wanted to go to Kenya. He'd been going with his family for the last many years. I don't know, six years or something. And he asked if I would go with him and and help him because he obviously couldn't see. So we went and my husband didn't want to go to Kenya. He he wasn't interested in in, in going there. (laughs) And um, the, I think we arrived in the evening time and said our good nights and I went to bed. And then the next morning, uh, we met and went to breakfast together. And I think it was about 10 o'clock time in the morning. And even though he had very little vision, he could see enough to to walk, but, you know, not to fill forms in and not to fill out, um, fall over. He could just about see, you know, mm. if he was mm. careful. And he staggered, you know, he had the MS walk, but he, also didn't want to go in a wheelchair so we it was a five-star hotel made me feel terrible because when you came outside it was such bad poverty but we were walking to the restaurant bit and there were two ladies sitting there and they must have been in their 50s and uh, he was walking badly and as we went past one woman said to the other look at that pissed at this time of the morning I was so angry I thought this is we're here for two weeks and this is day one yeah so I told him to go and sit down and I went back and I said excuse me yes I said you know just what you were saying and I won't say his name I said you know he's not drunk He's got multiple sclerosis and he's trying really hard to walk and be normal. I said, and how do you think that makes him feel hearing comments like that? Mm. Oh, we didn't know. No, you didn't know. But you jumped to conclusions and you let your perception known. (laughs) Yes. I was so angry. Yeah. You were judged. But the beach was white sand. The local people had stalls and sold carvings and everything. Mm. And I had to pay excess luggage because I bought something from everybody, to be fair. (laughs) 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 And the sky was blue and it was perfect. If I could go back there, that would be wonderful. And Mm. what did I drink? I don't believe I actually had any alcohol while away. It can be, it can be anything. Mm. It can be a cup of tea. It could be uh, squash. I, do you know, I can't even remember drinking anything. I'm sure I did. What would your favourite drink? My favourite drink would probably be a whiskey. And I'd, I know I certainly didn't have one there. But I, I do like whiskey. Mm. A single malt. Mm. Definitely. Very nice. Yeah. Nice and, and cold. Yeah. Oh, that sounds lovely. And as does Kenya and white sand and blue skies and, you know, enjoying your time on the beach. Linda, it's been an honour and a privilege to talk to you. Thank you so much.
Thank you. <laughs> now then, if you're an MS action taker, I want to keep in touch with you. So can you sign up to hear about my future MS action takers activities? The link to sign up is in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for The MS Show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to The MS Show podcast.